you know, I've lived in and around the Toronto area my entire life. I uh, I would say I'm a native of the the Gita, the GTA. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Toronto. Take that as you will. May not be a popular thing to say. And if you get mad at it, fuck off. I don't know. That's my opinion. I don't care. What am I going to get in a, a DM war with some guy telling me to go suck my mother? Go suck your mother, sir. My mom is just fine. You know what? As a matter of fact, yours is just fine too. How's this? Let's make a deal. We both stay away from our mothers. Keep the mean comments on my hairstyle, on my clothing, on my voice. Maybe this podcast. Just let's, let's, let's push the mothers aside. Not physically. Just a slight nudge. No, not a big fan of the city. I mean, I'm going to try to be fair and balanced with this. I don't want it to just be some one-dimensional rant. There's certain aspects of Toronto I like. I live in this city right now. I like my apartment. I've been there for two years. I'm on the subway line. I'm a walk, uh, about a five-minute walk from an Indian restaurant that I love. Now, granted, I've never eaten from that restaurant, but I like the aesthetic. I'm a theme guy. The people in my apartment are cool. I'm meeting people from all over the world. That's a nice thing. It's cozy. You feel worldly. I went to Jamaica once, Ireland as well. Those are really my only trips over the ocean. So it's cool to meet people from other parts of the world. I like variety. I like the idea of just having a choice, many different choices. I like the idea that I can, in this city, I can go to a Japanese restaurant, suck back sake, puke it up in the alleyway because my stomach's weak as shit, and then walk across the street for Mexican. That's tight. There's a lot of cities that offer that kind of variety, but Toronto's one of the best to do it. That's pretty much where my, my pluses, my positives... And that's the limit. Everything else is kind of a negative thing. I don't know. Like I lived, I grew up out in the suburbs, right? I, I, we started out in the city when I was a young boy. And then just before my fifth birthday, me and my parents, we made the pilgrimage out to Mississauga, Ontario. We were one of the first, that was uncharted territory at the time. It was newly developed land. Me and my family, we were, the, we were, we were some of the first people to move into our a housing complex. We lived in a nice complex. It was just kind of there. I mean, kids would fight each other notoriously and steal from each other. It was kind of like the five points with freshly cut lawns. That was really the only advancement. Kids were brutal to each other. I got into a few tussles, not ones that I started, but I eventually had to stick up for myself. There would be kids that would ride by on their bicycles and hit you with hockey sticks and plastic wiffle ball bats. Now, granted, they hadn't graduated to a two-wheeler yet, so you could catch up to them pretty quickly. Vengeance was mine. But my point is, I grew up outside of the city. I hung out with a bunch of, you know, skateboarders, coke dealers. Now, I never indulged in any of that shit, but I observed. Sometimes that's all you need to do. You just observe people. That's how you draw a conclusion. And I observed. I observed what was happening not only with friends of mine, but what was happening in the city. From the safety of my own home. That's the perspective you get when you grow up suburban, when you grow up outside of a metropolis. 
and I don't know. You just your your perspective isn't broadened until when when you grow up suburban. It, it's almost like it's almost like a video game with really bad graphics. You know, the open it, it's not really an open world. The open world is fairly limited. As soon as you try getting onto the highway, it you just hit a wall and boom, you have to go back. That's it. When you're suburban, your world ends at the highway entrance. Because <laughs> the highway brings you into the city, and you're not going to go there. Unless it's for a basketball game. Or a hockey game, or a baseball. Any, any sporting event. There's some cool stuff in Toronto, but I'm not... I don't know. First of all, I had a friend of mine when I uh, went back to do my postgrad. He was from Turkey, and he was a really nice guy, but he'd been all over the world. He finally settled here because he liked it. And that was, that was just it. He liked it, but he had criticisms. I remember we were outside having a cigarette one day, and I said, hey, so how do you like the city? How do you like being here? He goes, you know what? Is, I'm not going to butcher his accent, but he went, you know, I think it's cool. Uh, it's a great city, but there's no feel to it. There's no feel. And I said, I, I knew right away what he meant, but I wanted him to elaborate. He said, well, when you go to other places, when you go to London, Paris, San Francisco, Chicago, there's a feel to it. There's something very distinct. There's a vibe that you get walking in these cities when you just stop and you look around you go oh i am in chicago yes i am it without a doubt i am in rome i am in these pl- like i'm i'm here and toronto doesn't necessarily have that and i knew exactly what he meant because it's true you can't have an authentic you can't push an aesthetic on it that's only that's something that can only come with age when you take a look at places like chicago and new york those are older cities. Those are cities that have come, that have formed through hundreds of years. Over the course of hundreds of they've just become what they've become. Now, granted, New York has gone through Disneyfication. Times Square is, is pretty much made of plastic. But you can't emulate that. Like, Toronto can't emulate that itself. It has to find its own thing, and that can only come with age. You can't push tourism on people and have Rogers Communications and Pizza Pizza have monopoly over everything. You just can't. And the architecture is not great either. That's another thing. The architecture is not amazing. When you go deeper into the city and you see all the little sort of haunts and and neighborhoods and enclaves, that's where the architecture is beautiful. But when it comes to condominiums, it just all looks kind of one note. It's all the same looking it's all the same look of condo right by the lake. And you see these Instagram, these influencers, you know, they'll stand they'll stand on a balcony and you'll go on it you'll you'll see their story and it's just them just in a, in in a penthouse overlooking the highway. Luxury beyond your wildest dreams, sir. And they just you know, they got that thick accent like yo, what's up, bro? Yeah, uh, I'm just here in my brother's condo, man, and uh yeah, it's a really popping over here, man. And uh, yo, I'm smoking a bogey. I'm smoking a Demorier, and uh, which is eleven bucks. I just got in the store downstairs, and uh, yeah, we're just gonna have a real rager here tonight, bro. And it's and they just they keep talking that way, and they're just staring into the camera, and there's just nothing going on. It's just a kid from Pickering who's staying, who's crashing with his brother for the weekend, who bought a condo with drug money. He left home at 14 because his parents kicked him out for selling opioids, and here he is. Yeah, the architecture is not amazing. 
It all looks plastic. It all looks very, very, very inauthentic. I feel like, yeah, Toronto is Legoland for TikTokers. I, I, I think I know what it is. I think that Toronto is preparing for an alien invasion. When aliens finally come, they want the city to look like just a city that's so physically unattractive from an architectural standpoint that the aliens will go, oh, no, like, fuck this. We're, we're going to go somewhere else. We're going to go, hey, let's pick that city uh, further south, a little further south. It's about an hour flight. Uh, it's got the green lady, the big green lady with the statue in the bathrobe. Let's do that. She's standing with a torch in the middle of the river. That seems like a place that, you know, for new, for new arrivals. I mean, I want Toronto to, the same multiculturalism and diversity that Toronto has with its people, I want them to incorporate that and apply it to the skyline. I mean, if in the next five years I do not see the Taj Mahal right by the CN Tower or a Taj Mahal replica, I'm leaving. There's no point in having something that much multiculturalism if you're not going to borrow. Dare I say appropriate. It's how a diverse society comes into form. A lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff in Toronto. I'm just not a fan of the architecture, and the publicity is not great either. Not amazing. I mean, I guess I can kind of recant my initial thing where I said I'm not a big fan of it. Like, I, 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 there's elements I do like. I think it's cool. But the publicity, the stories, the international stories that the, that the news picks up on, the things that go viral. I mean, Toronto doesn't have a great advantage when, like, when every one of your international stories is negative. That, it's, it's pretty much negative. It's always a bad, really depressing, dark story. It started in the 90s with Paul and Carla. And then the city was absolutely set on fire a couple decades later with the Rob Ford crack scandal. It was reminiscent of Washington, D.C. in the 90s with Marion Barry. That was a big thing. It was a world-renowned city with a mayor that smoked narcotics. Openly, might I add, there was video footage. And then in no particular order, there were other scandals, and they were, they were horrifying. They were terrifying. There was the Toronto van uh, uh, murders, and then there was a serial killer here and there just stalking people, terrorizing folks. It was awful. There was that wealthy couple that were just mysteriously murdered in their mansion. I don't know if we ever came to a conclusion of that, what that was, but that was, that was almost that was unsolved mysteries fodder. And then you had just these weird miscellaneous ones like guy on bicycle throwing vats of acid. Guy with bucket throwing shit. Drunk chick on balcony throwing chair. A lot of throwing. That's our theme in Toronto. It's a lot of throwing. A lot of throwing inanimate objects at people. I mean, the next time we catch someone on video throwing, don't humiliate them and alienate them. Get them to try out for the Blue Jays. Get Toronto chair girl in the pitching rotation. We might start winning games again. But you won't be able to finish one Pitch, because people will be throwing shit from the stands onto the field. It just doesn't stop. 
I mean, people want to copy their favorite celebrities. No, get Toronto Chair Girl to start playing baseball. Hey, it's progress, okay? If you want more females in male-dominated sports, get her as the guinea pig. At least before Luca Magnata throws it in the microwave. <laughs> I can't. I can't. No, it's always a negative story to come out of Toronto. I, like, I guess you could say the most positive one that caught traction around the, w w w was the Raptors winning, I guess. But then that was spoiled during the parade when somebody got shot or somebody started firing a gun. And it caused a literal stampede of people running for their lives. I mean, if you, if you want to go further back, you could say that a positive story to come out of Toronto was the monkey running through Ikea. I mean, I forget what the circumstances were as to why there was a live animal in a ski jacket running through a Swedish furniture store. But entertainment is entertainment, and it comes in many forms. I think that was an entertaining story that people were laughing at, and the city got some publicity. I think Jimmy Kimmel was joking about it. It was on late-night television. The city was getting some shine, but that was 2012. So we're about due for another wild animal traipsing around the streets of Toronto. I don't know if somebody wants to set one free from the zoo. That's another thing that I've always noticed. It's a, These, these, these anti-zoo people, these animal activists, I'm, I'm surprised with all the animal activism there is existing today, and I'm not saying that it's not necessary, but I'm surprised there aren't more people infiltrating zoos and setting the animals free in some kind of weird, wacky terrorist attack. Not that I'm going for that, but I think it would be kind of funny. Just some terrorist walking into, like just, <laughs> not necessarily breaking through, but finding employment at a zoo and working their way up the ladder, climbing up the corporate zoo ladder. Finding their way into the, I guess zoos have some kind of command center where there's just some guy sitting by a, diddling himself while watching the orangutans on camera. But they find themselves into this, in, in this command center and they just start opening the gates and seeing what happens. There's people getting eaten by lions and this doesn't need to be in Toronto necessarily. It can be overseas, it can be the San Diego Zoo. It's just a crazy, wacky person with wacky... They're, they're on call with the FBI making negotiations like, yeah, okay, I know I said I wanted 6,000 vegan burritos. I want an electric-powered helicopter to take me anywhere in the world, preferably an island of my choice, where I get to bathe for the rest of my life in almond milk. Meet these demands, and I will refrain from letting out the cheetahs, because after that, you guys are fucked. Because you don't want to shoot them. They're endangered, right? If you just start shooting the cheetahs, then <laughs> you got an extinct animal on your hands and more protests. There will be anarchy. The Blue Hair Brigade will be on your tail, FBI. No, I, I think that would be terrible. I don't want anybody eaten. I don't want anybody... I'm just making jokes for whoever the fuck is listening to this. Whoever made it that far. <sighs> No, I'm more of a New York guy. I know that's, I, I, I say that, and you're probably saying, well, this guy's full of shit, and I very well may be. But I prefer New York over the city of Toronto. I've spent a lot of time there over the years. I lived there briefly going to school. 
And the city shaped me in a lot of ways. It influenced me. It influenced the way I act, the way I kind of interact around people when I'm on public transit, when I'm in a store. I, 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 I was taught to be more kind of aggressive if, you, if I want to get my way. That's another thing Toronto doesn't have going for. People need to be tougher. People need to be willing to step over people to get what they want. People are a little too polite in the city. Now, outsiders from rural regions will come to the city and say people are pretty rude here. They're pushy. They're aggressive. They're assertive. That's from the perspective of a person who grows up in a small town where there's 500 people and everybody's spread out. Excuse me. But if somebody's grown up, for somebody who's grown up here, I've noticed that people are a little too polite compared to places in New York, places like Philly, Chicago, places like that. They've just got to hold on just what life is like living in a city with a bunch of people. You got to be willing to just push somebody out of the way to get off the train. I remember when I was in line getting a coffee at the old Hortons in Toronto. This was about a year and a half ago, and the guy that was in front of me ordering, between he and the cashier, there must have been about 17 saris in 30 seconds. The guy couldn't order his food. He didn't know what he wanted. The other guy kept, he must have been new in training. He was pressing the wrong thing. It was just, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm like, you guys are an SNL sketch right now. Am I on candid camera? Because this is, is SCTV getting a reboot? Pretty ridiculous. Now, I enjoy people being polite, but if you want to make your subway stop when it's a packed car, you got to be willing to say, get the fuck out of my way every now and then. And in New York, you get taught that pretty quickly. It, 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 like I said, it shaped me to a degree. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and lie to people and say, well, yeah, I'm just this, uh, I'm this hardened guy, you know? Like, uh, yeah, I just uh, grew up in Mississauga, Ontario, and uh, this is just how, uh, how I am, you know? Just after a fucking week in Queens. Just saying, hey, yeah, you want to fucking, you want to go here? And just walking out into the middle of the fucking street and just right in the middle of an intersection. Some guy's trying to make a left turn. Well, not today, Fredo, okay? Let's fucking go. Let's, uh, I got some business to settle here with this. This guy's just got in my wood. You fucking nudge me? You say something about my girl? I mean, I, I ain't dating nobody right now, so you must have said something about my imaginary girl. Yeah, not everybody can be just getting fucking crushing tang all the time, all right? I got business. I got money to count. You know, I'm from fucking, I'm from fucking Canada here, and I'm fucking walking. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to be like that. I do have traits of an accent, and I think it's just from a lifetime of watching movies and watching gangster films, whether it was, you know, old Jim Cagney, black and white films from the 30s, 40s, to Scorsese films from the 70s, 80s, 90s. I just... Gangster kind of New York, like, kind of influenced me a little bit. Now, some would say, okay, hey, maybe he's just trying to be confident. Others might lean more towards, oh, he's psychotic. Stay away from him. Now, I'm not writing off the second possibility, but I would I, I, I would prefer the, the first. I'm just a weird guy. 
Don't know how to... We- well, I can't explain it. I'm, I'm not going to open up just yet. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm not insane. I uh, just have some mental tweaks. I remember when I briefly went to school, I went to the New York Conservatory Dramatic Arts. The summer of 2013, I was a young snapper, all of 21 years old, and I was alone in the big city. And while I was going to school, I rented an apartment for the summer in Flatbush, Brooklyn, in buildings that were pretty much constructed over Ebbets Field. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Major League Baseball, Ebbets Field was where the old Brooklyn Dodgers played. Well, the old Brooklyn Dodgers with Jackie Robinson. It was an actually, it was an amazing feeling to kind of soak up that history. They were playing there right in Ebbets Field, right in the heart of Flatbush until moving to Los Angeles in 1957. So that was a lot of, that was a lot of, there was murals all over the place. You just, everywhere you went, you were reminded of Jackie Robinson. But it was a high crime area too. And I, I, I did stick out. It was very segregated, but I was there. You know, I was, I was, it brought in my perspective. I was this young Canadian suburban kid in a new place. Didn't know how to interact. Didn't know how to do anything really. It brought me out of my fucking shell. I remember I would be, because my place had a, uh, there was a balcony on the, in the apartment that I had. And I'd be outside smoking late at night because that's all I had to really do. I wasn't around friends. I wasn't anything. I was kind of too scared to go out at night. But I would sit on the balcony and I would hear gunshots. I would hear all kinds of stuff. And I would look down the street. And every now and then you would just see cars that had randomly caught fire. In the middle of the street, just cars that would just be there. And they'd have to shut it all down. The fire department would have to come. They'd put out the fire, and the car would just stay there until morning because the tow guy hadn't arrived yet. So that was just this new thing to me. And I remember one time I heard this uh, whistle from down below. This was just midnight. Whistle from down below, and a cop car would come, and you would just see these guys bolt across the street into an alleyway. So some guy was whistling. To his, his guys, they were, they were on the corner to get the fuck out of here. We, we spotted a cop car. They're coming. They're on your tail. So that was, that, was, that was wild. A kid who grew up in suburban Mississauga, Ontario in a fucking condo complex in a very quiet neighborhood. I, I moved around different places, but I, they were all quiet. I had never seen anything like that. And I knew a lot of my friends hadn't seen anything like that. I knew some crazy fucking guys growing up. And I had seen some fights, I had seen some violence, but this was a different vibe. It was like it was like do the right thing. It was like Goodfellas. It was like all of those films that I just grew up worshiping. And I was now smack dab in the middle. The only difference was I got to when I was ready, I got to go the fuck home. I was going the fuck home after school. After I was done school. I was just leaving. <sighs> then I'll never forget that. That was a, just a thing that went. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sad to see that New York isn't doing too well now because I, I, I do want to move there eventually. That's the plan when I get enough moolah to get the fuck out. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I just wanted to get back to normal after all of this. I don't know how many years it's going to take, but uh, I'm patient. I'm going to be patient. Toronto's, uh, yeah. <laughs> For now, maybe Toronto ain't so bad. Something's off podcast on Instagram. Take it easy.